Hey everybody, welcome back to Less Than 10 Small Gang Podcast. Um, this week it is just going to be me, 10, and Andy Astronaut. How's it going? Uh, hey Andy. Um, we are going to be talking about Tackle and you know kind of its role in Small Gang, what ships we use for it, and uh, we're going to go over the uh, Black Ops update that they just put on CC this past weekend a little bit as well, because some of that is pretty interesting. Before we get started, uh, as has been true for the last uh, bunch of episodes, podcast is being sponsored by the 07 Coffee Company. 07 is a coffee roastery based out of the United States with the goal of providing you a premium cup of coffee no matter where you are. Whether you're out camping with the family, stuck at the office, or kicking over your fifth Athenor at three in the morning, 07 has delicious options for you. For premium coffee at retail rates, go to 07coffeecompany.com and use code NANO at checkout for 10% off. I still haven't gotten any of the coffee, but um, I'm planning to camp soon. And I think the little, um, like the bag things that you were talking about a few episodes back, like actually sound really good. They'd be just about perfect for it. Yeah, they're great. They're super low maintenance. Um, so you don't have to deal with any of the grinding or, you know, any of that, just hot water coffee done so since we're talking about tackle what ships do you like to fly for tackle and what have you been up to lately uh well this episode was literally made for me like this is essentially all i do like 90 percent of what i do is fly uh interceptor i'm trying to branch out a little bit from that but basically anytime i get the chance to in fleet i'm flying an interceptor um and by far my favorite is malediction um I know some people, like, I like to fly a lot of um, kind of just cheaper fits, and I think, like, cheap malediction performs really well. I know some people like Stiletto better if you're going to go cheap, but I've just always gone cheap malediction and loved it. Like I said, I'm trying to branch out a little bit, so one of the things, I haven't been playing a ton, but one of the things I did was um, we just kind of did a random roam with some uh, drinks involved, and I decided to change it up and bring... Uh, um, anti-tackle flycatcher so light missile launcher flycatcher give like the bubbles for kind of a little added like secondary tackle we had an interceptor as well um but that plus be able to kind of push off lighter things that come and i ended up really liking it i think i'd like to fly it a little bit more i didn't die so i still have the fit and can take it out again but it was kind of like a, a nice change of pace and added i think bubbles add something that you don't necessarily always get from an interceptor. So that was kind of a fun, different thing to fly. Um, but other than that, I've kind of just been piggybacking on some of the stuff that other people have done, uh, specifically U10, uh, with the carrier you tackled a few days ago and logging on to help kill that. Cool. Yeah, I um, have flown the light missile launcher flycatcher, uh, not lately, but I was flying it pretty regularly for a while, and it's a lot of fun. Um, I think... My favorite tackle ship to fly is probably my favorite, like fully dedicated tackle ship to fly is probably a malediction. Also, um, there's just uh, the slot layout and the 
the bonuses and the way the ship performs is really whether you're doing a sort of lower end fit or a super plingy fit maledictions are are great uh though i have to say every time i've flown a draugr point scram fit draugr man it's a lot of fun it's nice to actually tackle things and then also be able to kill them <laughs> it's like the most frustrating thing is when you sit there in a interceptor and you're just like oh like um I guess I can hold this guy for, you know, like five minutes, but I'm not going to kill him. Yeah, and the Draugr, you know, it's the ramping DPS because it's a trig ship, and it starts off pretty low. But you get a couple light drones, and you get a little bit of DPS, and it's really good at fending off other small tackle because of the application and everything. So it's nice that way. And the the self-linked long scram is really... Any ship that has a, a range bonus scram on it is near and dear to my heart. Yeah, it helps a ton. Yeah, and um, you mentioned the carrier I tackled the other day. That was super fun. Um, we passed through the system, I think, three times. The first time I landed on grid as the carrier was warping out of grid because it took me a minute to figure out what side he was in. And the second time, he wasn't out again. And the third time, we were just heading back to Thera anyway. And I was like, you know, he's on long scan but not short. There's only one site out there. And I landed right on him. And um, everyone reacted really well from Noir jumping in bombers and stuff and coming out and got a nice kill. Yeah, it's easy. When you ping for a carrier tackle, it's usually people show up. People are like, oh, carrier? Sure. Yeah. And it was, you know, two jumps from there, so it's really easy to uh, get people in. Yeah, that's by far been, like, one of the best things about coming to Thera, like, not just the connections, but also stuff like that's happened. Like, I think this is the second carrier that's been within, like, a jump or two of um, uh, Thera Hole. It's made it super easy to, like, reship and, um, like, upship and actually kill things that we catch that maybe we wouldn't otherwise be able to. Yeah, for sure. We had to, I don't know if you remember, a couple weeks ago we ended up having to let a carrier go because reinforcements started coming to defend it, and it was 12 or 13 jumps out of Thera, and that was a little too far to get enough people in fast enough relative to the response. Yeah, I do remember that. It was like two or three jumps out of Thera, and I was like, I'm on my way, but I just had a bomber, so we couldn't really like push uh, the reinforcements off or anything like that. I was just like, well, I can do some DPS, but that's about all. Yeah. So getting into tackle, I wanted to talk a little bit about like what tackling is. Um, because it's a little more to it than, you know, turning on a warp disruptor on a target. Because lots of ships can do that. So the difference between doing that in your DPS ship that also has a point on it and and flying like a dedicated ship, like an interceptor, is I think a lot of it is about communicating and scouting and also getting the initial entry into a fight getting finding a router finding a carrier finding someone gating something and and getting on grid with them as fast as possible yeah i mean you kind of summed it up pretty well like basically your whole job is like more or less to start the fight um especially when you're in a small gang and you're kind of roaming around like you're the one that's finding the content so it's not just about tackling something in the first place but it's also about you know talking to people about what's going on so you don't die before you ever get a real fight. It's about, um, you know, finding people in a system and maybe even, um, like, telling people whether or not they should hold something or kill it, you know, figuring out whether you want to try to, like, entice a fight by escalating it through telling people kind of more or less what to do, like, oh, let's tackle this and just hold it or that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. And it's 
I guess scouting technically is a little bit different because you're that's like as you're moving around looking for things you're you're telling your gang maybe there's bubbles maybe there's a camp or something you want to avoid um, but a, a lot of it is you're the first one to jump into a system you see what's on D scan and then you know the reason we do it in these fast tackle ships is partly because interceptors have the ability to be interdiction nullified and dodge bubbles and things which makes them the most escapable option in your gang usually but also because they're the ones who can get to something and get on grid with it as the fastest right yeah so that's a good point is like any other ship you usually have to fit hyperspatials to kind of catch up um interceptors just base warp speed is super super fast so not only do you need to like find someone on d scan but you have to get to their site before they warp off and so to do that like interceptors do that really really well compared to other ships yeah the only thing i would say really competes on that front is like a hyperspatial interdictor Um, yeah that's true can do that too but they what they cannot do is the the travel scouting for bubbles and things in the same way right exactly um and then once you have that initial tackle and the rest of your gang starts arriving on grid your role starts to change a little bit um as your your maybe you have a carries come in after you or some of your dps have points like you have retributions with long points and things like that then you you sort of switch up at least usually when i'm in an interceptor when i'm in that initial tackle ship as soon as someone else or a couple other people get points on something i start looking for something else to point either watching for warp ins on grid or if there are multiple ships on grid i will start splitting off and trying to tackle other things that the gang isn't focused on is there are there other things that you do in an interceptor when you like once sort of the grid has established a little bit? Um, I mean that's a big part of it. Um, the only thing I'd say is like when I know something's like really really tackled, when you start seeing things on D scan, sometimes I'll pull off, especially on like ESS grid. If you start seeing things load up on D scan, I'll kind of pull into the position where I can best tackle stuff that comes in in any range. So maybe our gang doesn't want to get tackled so they'll come in kind of pull off at like 100 or so on the ring in the direction that people aren't going to come from so they're in a really safe spot but i want to be able to tackle anything that comes in at any range so i'll kind of see where the enemy is whether that's like on a fortazar or something like that and i'll kind of position myself maybe like 50 ish in between the the gate and the end of the ess so that no matter what range they come in i just have a few kilometers to burn to like tackle something Right. So basically, yeah. So like, I guess, like you said, kind of positioning and watching D-scan, seeing what's coming and kind of preparing to like, almost pre-preparing to tackle something. That makes sense. Yeah, that's usually what I do with that. And um, if you've got a, a battleship or a Gnosis or something that's likely to have an MJD, start being on MJD watch a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. Watch for the animation and that kind of thing. Yep. Because many... Many small gang ships don't come with a scram, and you need one to stop an MGD. So the having the interceptor ready to go in for that, and that can be quite dangerous, especially with a battleship, because you put yourself inside that heavy new range. Um, so you don't really want to. You can't, in many cases, just hang out there indefinitely. You have to watch for the MGD, go in, stop it, and then get back out again. 
Yeah, and that's a good point that I think we'll we'll talk about some exceptions a little bit later. But um, the other thing is usually when you're initial tackle, the one thing you have is both point and scram, which isn't, like you said, isn't standard on a lot of the other ships. Like most nano roam ships aren't going to have both because your entire goal is to fight either like right at the edge of point range or outside of point range. You never want to be within scram range. So really the kind of exception to the only point rule is usually your your initial tackle, your interceptors, or your dictors, things like that. Again, there's a few exceptions to that that we'll talk about later, but in general, you're kind of the one with the the scram. So anything that, you know, is warp core stabbed, anything that might MJD, like, that's your job to hold them down, even if other people have secondary. Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, that's what I think is a lot of fun. The scram also comes in big in the in the interceptor in particular's other big role, though some of the other um, ships we'll talk about can do this as well, which is screening, you know, defensively stopping uh, hostile ships from getting tackle on your gang. Um, and that can look like, in a lot of cases, it can just be being in between your gang and the ship that thinks it wants to come in because a lot of people won't burn into something that they know will scram them. But if they're smart, they will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But if they're numerous enough or, you know, ambitious enough, they'll try to get around you and try to try to dodge that and get in and get tackle, particularly in things like ramjags. And that's where the scram becomes extremely important on an interceptor because you, you need to not just point them, but slow them down, which means scramming them, generally speaking. Right, yeah, and that's kind of a big, other than stopping MGDs, that's kind of the big utility to having a scram is, like you said, stopping them. When something's coming in, especially something fast, it's like an initial tackle for another gang. Being able to slow them down and buy your your side enough time to like delete them is a really big deal. Yeah, and if, you're, if your group has a Hugin or a Hyena or something with a long-range web, then it, they can screen in that way. Um, and slow down, stuff like that. Or if you have a Curse or a Sentinel, which can use their neutralizers to shut off micro-warp drives. There are some other options, but something with a either a bonus scram range or an interceptor, which is fast enough if you are careful to sort of dip into scram range, because they get a, a bonus to it, but it's a pretty short bonus. Just tick the scram on for a second and then let your momentum carry you out the other side, even if they scram you back so that you don't get caught because as an interceptor, like the things that kill you are all things that turn your microwave drive off. Like you get heavy neutered, you get scrammed. Those are the ways you die. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Either that or like heavy, heavy webs. Like if you get double webs, yes. you're also in a bad place. But yeah, I, I think you pretty much summed it up. Yeah. So that being said, you know, we've talked about interceptors a whole bunch. Um, you said you mostly like to fly cheaper ones. Have you ever done the like full-on high-grade snakes, abyssal rolled, like super blingy malediction fit? I have not. So I have one that's kind of a bling fit. I have like the um, like a Dead Space MWD and uh, I think like a Dead Space Rapper, and then I fly it with like mid-grade snakes. So I've done that a couple times. And funny enough, like the one time I flew it, or the one of the few times I've flown it. It definitely came in handy. Um, we were fighting on an ESS grid, and this Kiki came and tried to 
kind of push us off the ESS grid. And like usually you can mitigate damage pretty well, but Kiki's like one of the things that's fairly scary if you're in like a cheap malediction. And I was able to just kind of point him at max range and just like face tank him until he got absolutely deleted by our Osprey Navy. <laughs> so it ended up working really well. Like the snakes helped mitigate the Dead Space Repper, being able to like continually rep for longer um, helped a lot. Interesting. I haven't done that since they uh, did the nullification change. So I haven't seen what it feels like with the you know, the lock range penalty and the scan risk penalty that the nullifiers now give you when you fit the module. Well, yeah, maybe that's something we should talk about. So, um, because that was actually also pre-changes. I haven't flown a blinked one since the changes either. Um, but kind of like you said, the the interdiction nullification changes have kind of changed interceptors a lot, right? Like in interceptors kind of, it used to be their role, you know, by by nature, they were uh, bubble immune, and their role was really to get on top of something as fast as possible and lock it and tackle it as fast as possible. And one of the kind of weird things about an interceptor is you can actually go so fast that by the time you can lock something, if you're burning towards it, you can be in point range with with no rigs or anything fit. You can actually be in point range. Uh, before you fully locked the ship. So one thing that's super common with interceptors is to fit an ionic rig, which increases your lock range, which lets you actually lock something in time before you actually get into point range. So with the new changes, if you add the nullification module, you reduce your scan res, you reduce your targeting range slightly, um, which means that you can't quite do that in the same way. Yeah, and it's been interesting. I've been... It's actually changed which interceptors I fly um, because my go-tos were the, the Malediction and the Stiletto. And the Malediction, I think, is still in a pretty good place because it's got enough lock range and you can actually, if you're on a blingy one, which is where it becomes a real issue with the, the nullifier after the, the hull bonuses of an interceptor, a fleet interceptor, gives you a 10% lock range penalty. And the malediction, I think, with a with a very blingy long range point, you know, and if you get links, it goes even further. You start to run into a situation where, with one ionic rig, you can point further than you can lock. And I think the malediction can be refit if you are doing a blingy fit with snakes. You have enough speed to give up what is usually um, a polycarb second rig for a second ionic rig, uh, and you definitely can make that work. I haven't gone out in a very blingy roam in a minute, um, though we should do that probably pretty soon. And, you know, the Malediction's still okay. The other armor one, the Ares, continues to be subpar compared to the Malediction in a number of ways. So no one really uses it for that. Though someone tried to tackle me in one oh, really? today. So. <laughs> some people, so yeah, some people use it. I haven't them. seen one for anything except... Uh travel in a long long time it kind of was well i think still is for the most part kind of a meme if you see an Aries, you're like oh he's moving <laughs> he's moving whatever yep yeah they're very very nimble they're easy to make them insta warp i think so they're good for that but um yeah someone tried to tried to grab my my stabber in an Aries this afternoon and died tragically as a result um but yeah so the stiletto you know 
normally I would pre pre nullification I would fit it with a ionic rig and an EM rig because the stiletto doesn't get none of the interceptors get the full T2 resist profile of their respective race. So the stiletto doesn't have the the naturally super high EM resist as a bit of an EM hole. And now because of constrictions on power grid and fitting slots, it's really difficult to fit a stiletto in such a way that you don't really need a, like a second ionic rig on it um, on any fit because the stiletto has the shortest base lock range. And so I have been using the Crow instead, which is a thing that until this patch, I would never have thought I would say. <laughs> yep, same. I haven't actually used one since, but I was like, yeah, just don't use a Crow. They're not amazing. And now it seems like they're at least a little more viable. There's yeah. lower base speed, right, but better lock range and decent slot layout, which is kind of what makes it work, right? Essentially, yeah, they have they have good fitting. You know, it's no no real difficulty to fit the new nullifier with its CPU and power grid and stuff. Like this, the standard Stiletto fit prior to this had 0.0 spare power grid, so there isn't the one power grid the nullifier needs unless you rejig your fit around. Um, the Crow has plenty of fitting, has decent slots, and it has the longest base lock range, um, so you can get away pretty easily with just one lock range rig. Um, and I've been flying mine with two nanos in the lows because they're a little bit fat and slow, but it's been all right. It's I've been I've been in feeling pretty good about it for a for a cheap interceptor. I think for blingy malediction is still the way to go. Yeah, maybe I'm crazy, um, but I just kind of decided I have like a, a few, not too many, but maybe like three um, maledictions that are already kind of just like in there ready to use. And I kind of told myself or decided that I was going to fly them with no nullification module just because I wanted the lock speed and the lock range. And I just figured I'd see how much of a difference it was like see if i'm missing a bunch of stuff because of bubbles or see if i'm dying to gate camps a bunch that kind of thing um and i've only flown it i think once or twice since the the changes um just because again i haven't been playing a ton but so far i've ran into a lot more bubbles um but it goes so fast that it hasn't really impacted like i don't feel like i've missed any targets because of it yet and I, funny enough, almost got one catch. Unfortunately, I didn't, but I almost got one catch because of bubbles instead of because I was nullified. I was like um, landing on a gate, and there was an Ishtar that was apparently going to rat like a system or two over and had jumped in and was gating through these gates that had bubbles on it. And I landed, um, he had just burned out. So he was at like 30 kilometers from the gate. And I landed just at the edge of the bubble. So I landed almost right on top of him. And he just warped away, like, right as I was locking him. And so, like, it almost actually got me a kill, which is kind of amazing. Like, I never would have yeah. expected that. But it's, I guess, possible. Yeah, definitely. I haven't, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about it. I think when I'm feeling extra and doing high-grade snakes and stuff, I will put it on there and then, once a fight starts, just offline it. Um, because unlike like cloaks say, if you offline the module, the penalties do go away. So if you're really feeling the lock range or something, and you're really, you know, you're not planning on warping around, but you are doing a lot of work on grid. If you're screening a lot and you need that super fast lock with the high 
um, scan res, you can just, you know, right click offline and then not have to worry about it. Right. Yeah. And that's a good way to kind of travel with the nullification, but then fight without the penalties. Yeah. Um, speaking of those nullifiers, I know we were like way down this tangent here, but interestingly, um, CCP just updated them such that they have both longer durations and matching longer um, reactivation delays as you go up in meta levels, like the, the meta zero base module is, uh, you know, base stats are like a 10 second duration and a hundred second reactivation delay up to, I think the T2 is 15 seconds and 150 seconds. Oh, interesting. Which means on a bonus ship, like an interceptor, um, the meta zero one lasts 20 seconds and has a 20 second reactivation delay. And the in-between ones, the compact and restrained last 24 seconds or no, they last, they last 24 seconds. They have a 26 second reactivation delay, something like that. And then the T2 is 30 and 30. And to me, I mean, that just makes me want to use the meta zero one because I can, I can fire it as often as possible because of the way warping works, you know? Right. I think it's going to be one of those things where, like uh, MWDs, you know, you don't necessarily want, like, T2 isn't strictly better. There's a lot of times when you want not the T2 MWD, except instead yeah. of the meta, it would be, like, the, the T0 in this case. Yeah. Um, I thought that was an interesting, interesting choice on their part. But... Yeah, it is kind of interesting. Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention about interceptors is I've seen every possible combination, it feels like, of high slots in an interceptor. People put offline probe launchers on them. People put NOSes on them. People put guns on them. You know, do you, do you have a favorite of those? Do you have a thoughts about why you would use each of those? Um, so I used to be a missile launcher high person. Um, and my kind of thinking behind that was, oh, I could, uh, you know, shoot off light drones that are coming after me. If someone's trying to push me off, I can do that. And then, like, I can tackle someone for longer because I'm not going to get pushed off. Um, but just the way that worked, um, lots of times I would either just outrun drones and the speed would mitigate enough damage that it didn't matter, or light missiles just defang drones really slow and so i wasn't actually defanging them fast enough for it to really have an impact and so i realized that having launchers on there didn't really like do a whole lot for me um and so i ended up switching to nos's um especially on like the the blinger fits and um i think that's worked it's only come in handy once or twice but it's definitely been i think a more valuable trade um and for kind of the rationale behind that is if you do need to scram something, um, for example, a battleship that just like can't hit you, but it can heavy new you, what you can do is start your NOS and your point at the same, or your NOS and your scram at the same time. Um, and then the cycles are the same. So you will always NOS right before you put your scram off. And then even if you get nuded, you'll always have your scram running because you'll NOS, get some cap, be able to scram, and then repeat the cycle. Right. The noodle hits you afterwards and erase all the cap, but 
while your scram is in cycle, it doesn't just shut off. Right, because it looks for it basically looks for cap at the start of the cycle, and if it doesn't have cap at the start of the cycle, then it goes off. So as long as right at the beginning of the cycle you have the cap, your scram will keep going. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's interesting. That's usually what I end up doing as well, just as a as an emergency thing. Even though you know it's not terribly common to end up needing to use it, but I think it's it's worth the smaller fitting footprint than fitting guns. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the other thing that you get out of it is dropping the the guns. I used to run threes, and it makes the fitting really tight. If you drop one or two or all your launchers, even for a NOS or two. Usually just one NOS. I don't think adding more really helps. So like having the empty highs and the one NOS gives you some fitting room as well. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And now, you know, the nullifier takes a high slot. Um, fortunately, they were initially going to make it a low slot, which was going to be... Would have been <laughs> devastating. <laughs> pure chaos. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so now it makes it, I think, even less worth it to fit launchers if you're going to fit a nullifier because you can only fit, you know, two or however many, depending on the ship, and it's the DPS is even less meaningful. Right, and that was the thing. The, the DPS, especially, like, light missiles on a, like, malediction doesn't even break 100. It's, like, 70-some DPS or something like that. Yeah. It's it's not very impressive, even even in terms of like light drone hit points. If something is a ship with a bonus to drone hit points, it takes forever to shoot through a warrior. Right, exactly. All right. Well, interceptors obviously are a very primary tackle ship, but we uh, mentioned interdictors as well. They also fairly recently had a bunch of changes made to them, and at one point, you know, the saber was the interdictor, and it's still used immensely, I think, in large part because a lot of people's alts, you just people just haven't bothered to train it to others because the saber still works. It's still perfectly good. It's fast on grid, and it's you know if you fit it for hyperspatials, it's quite fast and warp. It's got that nice Minmatar teach you resist profile, so it tanks acceptably for its role. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. But I think after these last set of patches, some of the others have a bit of a leg up. Yeah, some of the extra others got some really nice buffs that help a ton, especially if, um, kind of like you said, I think sabers are really common because people have trained them on their alts. Um, but I think main boxing addictor has also been a little more common post patches because there's not a ton of fun stuff you can do flying a saber. You know, it's like you bubble, you almost always fit auto cannons because that's what you have room to fit. And it's just kind of max shield buffer. You can close in on something, delete it super close, and scram it, or you can put bubbles up, and then you can't hit anything outside of, you know, eight kilometers or so. <laughs> yeah. That's actually the thing I really like about the flycatcher, is it gets quite a... Um, in the patch, it lost its application bonus, but it kept its its quite significant range bonus. Right. You can shoot out to, like, 48, 50, something like that. Yeah, I think with Navy, depending on your fit, it's 50-some. Um, with light missiles. And that gives it some flexibility, I think, to do something other than just ram and scram the way a saber traditionally does. Right, exactly. And so I think that kind of makes it a little bit more dynamic and more fun to fly. And then I haven't seen, Pont uh, not Pontifex's, uh, Heretics or 
um, Eris's a ton, but they've also gotten some really nice buffs. I think Eris is actually really fast now, and um, Heretic can get a ton of buffer if you fit it right. Yeah, I think that's we haven't seen too much of them because we haven't done a lot of armor fleet stuff. But as a an inter, a interdictor for a fleet with armor logic, the heretic is I think pretty much the top of the list at this point because it gets a immense bonus to armor hit points to match the um, the flycatcher gets a bonus to shield hit points, which I think I've tried to make some active tank flycatcher fits and it just feels like a waste because you get such so much out of like squeezing on one medium shield extender. That what I end up doing is doing this a single medium shield extender point scram fit so that you get like maximum tackle utility out of it. Yeah, and I think that's kind of um, 1.2 is flycatcher. Your mids are kind of split between your tank and the tackle you're fitting. So I think the one I flew was scram web, and then I used my bubbles for my like quote unquote longer point, and I figured if I could web something then like it wasn't going to get out of bubble anyways, even if it was, or I, I would just kind of scram things that I need to scram and bubble things that I didn't need to scram. That makes sense. But yeah, like you're, like you said, kind of you, you usually fit a bunch of tackle mids, whether that be point scram web, whatever it is. Um, and that kind of takes away from your shield. So you're deciding like how much tank do I want versus how much tackle do I want? And it does have a lot of mid slots, but Heretic, you're not really making that decision. Like, you have the buffer, it's there. Um, but, yeah, like, you're a lot of times you're fitting them with buffer fits, not active rep fits. And because of that, um, if you're, you know, on a roam, you can't repair halfway through. Yeah, and the Flycatcher, I definitely, <laughs> for one of the events recently, I made a Flycatcher fit. One of the low-sec site events, I would just go sit in low-sec sites and fight people who would try to do them, and then do them myself because they were pretty profitable. But the site rats had a ton of tackle, so I didn't put any tackle on it, and a Flycatcher with no tackle fitted as EHP like a cruiser. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, sounds about no right. No joke, 30k on this this destroyer. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but it just like has the mid-slot layout for it because I think the assumption is that you're going to fit some tackle there, right? Yes, and it also, um, because I knew I was going to be in low-sec exclusively, I didn't fit the uh, Interdiction Probe Launcher, which is a tremendous CPU hog, and you know the Interdictors are all given enough CPU to fit that and still work, but if you don't fit it, it's just like free-fitting forever. Right, it just gives you a ton, um, which kind of reminds me of something else kind of related, uh, but not quite. So one other thing you'll see on a lot of interdictors is a uh, cloak in the high. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but I don't fly my flycatcher with one. I actually took it off. No, I don't either. Um, I wouldn't, I think I probably wouldn't main box in a small gang any interdictor with a cloak on it because yep, 100 it's agree. too much fitting and it affects your um, scan res and it just has enough penalties that I don't think it's useful. Um, but on my alt, who I'll bring along with an interdictor sometimes, I have a an alt who can fly sabers and flycatchers now as well. It's great because you can, you know, if you get busy on your main, just cloak your alt up not think about it. Um, and it's also extremely good for tackling capitals because you can warp in, bubble it, cloak, usually before the cap locks you, 
and then you can just chill on grid there, not having to worry about it. You know, if it's a carrier or something trying, you know, trying to sh trying to kill you to get rid of you, then you can once those bubbles are getting old, you can decloak, bubble some more, burn and warp off, and sort of reset, come back and do it again, um, which is a great way to keep your interdictor from dying in a fire. Right, feed less interdictors when you kill a, a carrier. Yep. I mean, you know, they die. It happens. Their, you know, their whole purpose is to get right on top of things and bubble them and possibly scram them. So they do die, but obviously, as much as possible, we we want to keep them alive to keep bubbling. Yep, that pretty much was exactly where I was going with that. Um, I do, yeah, like I said, I do the same thing. I don't do. Uh, cloak on my main but if i'm flying it on my alt i 100 do for the exact same reasons yeah and that's you know as a as an alt like you're saying you use the flycatcher for um for anti-tackle stuff and it's it's pretty good for that it shoots a long way light missiles apply to everything of course um and it has quite uh slow cycle time but big volley damage especially with kinetic missiles so you get up getting a lot of kill mails with it which is nice yeah, and then um, I think the one thing we haven't really covered yet, um, but I think is good to talk about, is kind of the dual role of bubbles. So obviously you put a bubble up, something around you can't warp. That's great for tackling something, especially catching pods. Like if you think someone's going to have a nice pod, you get a lot more pod kill mills when you have an interceptor or uh, interdictor around. But the other thing is it can be really good for screening. And I don't know. Do you want to cover this one, Ten? Uh, sure. Screening with an interdictor is uh, actually fairly tricky in a small gang, I find, um, because bubbles, once you pop them up, are static. They don't move with you, unlike a heavy interdictor. So once you drop it, it stays in place, but it only actually screens people. And you can either put a bubble up between your gang and the enemy, so that if they try to warp towards you, maybe they're combat probing. Um, or maybe they're just warping in from a structure towards a gate you're near or something like that. They get stopped at a range you choose. Or you can put it behind your gang and they'll get pulled through your gang to the bubble. But both of those things only happen if them, what they're warping to, and the bubble are all in line. Um, and the speed at which a lot of nano gangs move makes maintaining bubbles in that line, you know, if your gang moves... 20 kilometers parallel sort of radially around a target, if you're bubbling another 50 kilometers out, you're burning a lot farther than they are to maintain that same line. So it can be quite tricky. Yeah, yeah, it can be. But I think, um, like you said, I think especially having them in front of your gang can be a really good way to do it um, for a couple reasons. Like one way I've seen it used really well is a lot of times you'll see kind of fast tackle like Jaguars or enemy interceptors, especially inter enemy interceptors pre-bubble changes. They were like weren't scared at all of kind of burning through bubbles. Um, but one thing that we've had to do a lot is kind of keep that like 100-ish range because essentially you get out to 150 if the enemy also gets out to 150, then all their big slow ships in the back can just warp to zero at that tackle and land right on top of you. And so that can be a big issue and means you kind of have to play it closer to where you can't, you aren't within warpable distance, right? Right. Um, but if you have bubbles, 
people who try to warp to that tackle will land in the bubbles instead of landing on their interceptors or their jaguar or whatever it is. And so I've seen, I think um, there's a really good uh, Daedra video of him doing exactly this, where he essentially puts up these bubbles and all the heavy tackle and everything can't warp or get stuck in the bubbles, you know, 50 to 100 off while all their fast tackles kind of burn through and just gotten absolutely deleted because they expect someone to be able to just kind of warp to them, land on them at zero, and they're landing at range. Right. They're, they're ready for backup and it doesn't come. Right, exactly. And I think especially with kind of the new changes, um, that's true for essentially every ship unless it's fitting a nullifier, it will get stuck in that bubble. So even less things, unless they have that fit, will be going through these bubbles um, and able to get through. So it can be a really good way to kind of trick enemies into like false sense of security and being able to get through and letting you kind of play a little bit more distance than you would normally be able to because of the fact that they'll get trapped in those bubbles. Um, So I've seen that used really well. Um, And then I actually had one fight kind of way, way back. It's probably been like six plus months now. Um, But we had tackled, um, I think, a Gila or an Ishtar in a site or something like that. And we kind of knew that there was people coming. There was like a group that had been following us and they had a pretty big response. Um, But we had bubbled and then we had kind of burned down. And so what happened was it was this really long warp and all the new ships that were landing on grid were landing in this bubble and because of the fact that it was a long warp they would land you know 60 to 80 kilometers off of us and so we actually had like made a really good separation and it worked really well until we had kind of like had to put up some other bubbles to pin some stuff down and then things started landing closer to us because of the fact that there was another bubble up that was also in line and so it kind of ended up devolving but at the beginning we had this bubble that was kind of way in the back we had burned kind of away from that and it ended up like you said, pulled everyone into that, especially the slow ships that couldn't do much and made some really good separation to at least start the fight. So definitely some skill to it. Like you said, it's really hard to kind of keep those bubbles between you. Or like I said, you can put up a bubble and then all of a sudden everyone's landing on top of you instead of landing 60 kilometers away from you. So I think it takes a lot of skill to be an interdictor pilot. It's not an easy thing to do at all, especially in like the Harrier fights, but it can be something that really, really like makes a big difference in ways that you don't really think about. For sure. And I've definitely seen them used um, in some really interesting and thoughtful ways especially if you're if there's a response like you know like p horde sometimes does where they're just like yoloing shit towards the grid you're on if you have eyes on whatever citadel they're coming from or gate they're coming from or something like that or if you're just you know feeling your mind meld and you and you get it right you can split a fleet like that into pieces by bubbling not before anyone warps but before half of them warp right yeah it calculates when you enter warp, you know, so if people are already in warp and the bubble goes up, they just ignore it and fly through it. And I've definitely had a couple of times where we've had good uh, interdictor pilots, you know, fire up a bubble at the right moment and 30% of their fleet lands in engagement range from us and the other 70% of their fleet lands another 50 or 70 kilometers further away. And that's a really nice way to start a fight. Yeah, and same thing, like, um, if you catch a fleet that's actually going somewhere and they, like, want to get to a fight or a structure defense or whatever, a lot of times you can catch a slowpoke or two and, like, pick off kind of the stragglers that way, too. Like, people who are not aligned, like they're supposed to be and all that kind of stuff. 
it can be like a good way to either initiate a fight or to just you know pick up a couple kills yeah it can we don't really have heavy interdictors on this list um because they don't get a lot of use in small gang um they're just a little too slow except maybe the broadsword and when you compare it to some of the other options for getting a really long range scram with links and things they're not enough better to make up for it right so um I don't remember off the top of my head, but what is the Hick scram range? Do you know? It depends on... It's like 18 kilometers or something like that? On which module you're using. Um, but here, I'll pull up Pypha right now. There we go. Pypha always has the answer. But yeah, I guess like the kind of the hard part about Hicks is that what they do well is fit a ton, a ton, a ton of tank um, and tackle things that have warp core bonuses so usually care or i guess not carriers but supers titans that kind of thing that's really what they're really good at or you know things that can apply a lot of damage to them uh, because they can just take through it so you see them a lot in kind of more low sex situations we see them actually in thera on thera holes a lot um because you can put up a bubble permanent bubble and just kind of bubble a gate um that way or i guess a wormhole that way so we do see them sometimes, but yeah, like you said, you don't really roam in them. They don't add like a lot of DPS. Most of them are pretty anemic as far as DPS goes. They're usually a lot slower, and they're really designed to just like tank yes. a lot, um, unless they're like meme fit. So with a, if you use the faction warp disruption field generator, your scram range goes out to 21 kilometers or 20 with two two, okay. which is pretty good. But if you have links on an Orthrus, if you have a self-linked Draugr with a mediumly blingy scram, they'll heat to that range. And they're much... Right, and they move much, much faster, do more damage, yes. and are better in every other way you'd care about. Yeah, yeah. more useful for, for small gang things. And they'll actually point further, because the the max range of the the point script is, with a, again, with the faction module, is like 39.5 kilometers. Right, yeah. You know, a faction point on an Orthrus goes farther than that, or on Carries or Lachesis, something like that. So, yeah, we don't see them much. I really want the Broadsword to be usable in Small Gang because it's, it's the fastest, and it's like has the nice Minmatar TT resist profile, and it's got a lot of things going for it, but it's just not quite fast enough and not, you know, you can kind of make it work if you throw a lot of ISK at it, but... I don't know. I just I don't really feel like it's worth it. Yeah, otherwise it's difficult. I think the other thing too is at least for small gang stuff, um, one of the other drawbacks is like you you it's kind of cool in that you can get the scripted long scram kind of benefit, but you can also have the unscripted kind of AOE bubble. But the problem with the bubble on the hick, at least in um, smugging settings is it's centered on you, which means unlike a dictor where you can drop a bubble and then burn out to the range you want to be at, if you're using a hick for a bubble, you're stuck in the middle of that bubble until you put the the um, deactivate the module. So things are landing like 15 kilometers or so away from you, which is usually not the comfortable range when you're doing smugging stuff. Yes, you need a lot of backup for that to be a good plan. Right. It's almost never the right plan. So, aside from Hicks, 
you know, there's there are lots of ships that can tackle. Like we said, like most, you know, most small gang DPS ships will fit a point on them. My Cerberus has a point on it. You know, Omens have points, Vedmax have points. But there are definitely a few other ships that are like really used regularly as tackle. Specifically, there's there's a bunch of ships that have some bonuses that are useful. Carries and Lachesis both have very long range tackle capabilities because of their bonuses. Um, Lachesis is a little slow and squishy, though with its stamps, it can be quite quite good in small gang, but we mostly see the carries of those two, I think. Yeah, and carries is pretty much a staple. You see it in most gangs, not all gangs, but you see it a lot. Just because you get both kind of the skin, kind of the, the sensor damps, as well as the, the long tackle range. Yeah, and the normal fit, I think, for those is, you know, three damps and a point and a micro-warp drive. I've only seen a few of them fit scrams. Even with their range bonuses, Icarius doesn't live very well in scram range. Right, they're pretty fragile. Yeah, their main their main defense is damping things so that they can't be locked, and that means the further away, the better. Right, and then speaking of kind of range bonuses, also, uh, like, Orthrus and Garmer are on there. Both have the the range bonus, which is really nice, but actually do a little bit of damage. So that can be good in some settings. Um, but the thing that the Orthrus and the Garmer don't have that some of the other options have, like specifically Interceptors have, um, is the Sig Radius bonus. So um, Garmer, like a lot of people have kind of talked about maybe Garmer being a better option now that you have to fit um, the nullification module. Um, well, I guess, did they take it off Pirates they now? Did. Or yeah, they did, yeah. On right. CC at one point, Pirate and T1 frigates could all fit it. Um, and I think, fortunately, they they reversed that. Yes. <laughs> right, so there was a brief moment where everyone was yelling that Garmer was going to be like the new ultimate tackle uh, because it has better fitting room, it does damage, and it has better high slot layout so that you could use the nullification module. Um, but the one thing that a Garmer doesn't do well is mitigate damage. So if you take an Interceptor, you take a Garmer, they can both point out really far. You might think, oh, Garmer's going to be great. I'm just going to be able to tackle things from just as far, but also do, you know, like 200 damage. Um, they end up taking a lot more damage from whatever shooting back just because they don't have the signature radius bonus that the Interceptor holes have. Yeah, I've, I have flown some Nullsec Garmer, and I usually do it uh, with dual prop, with a AB and a micro warp drive, because there are a lot of times once you're sort of engaged that switching to the AB is what lets you live. Is the micro warp drive um, blooms the sig too much? Right, they will go stupid fast. They will go much faster than an interceptor if you fit them right, especially if you fly with like snakes or something like that. You can get them to like insane speeds, but it still isn't always um, enough to really mitigate that damage and can sometimes be like detrimental. Like I've seen people just like fling themselves out of point range. Yeah, for sure. That's um, definitely something that I, you know, anytime I switch from like flying an interceptor and a cheaper fit to like putting in the snake spot and the full, the full bling prop and everything like, like, all right, now I'm really quick. Just cruise out of of point range all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I did the exact same thing. Um, but yeah, so I guess speaking of things that do have um, MWD SIG bonuses, uh, Sulfrags are the other thing that can kind of fill a tackle role and also have that bonus. 
Yeah, they can. We usually, partly because my corporation has a wolf fetish, uh, but we usually see uh, retributions and wolves are the main assault frigates that I see in small gang because they both do decent, you know, point range damage. The retry actually beam retry shoots further than that as well, but the wolf does decent DPS out to a little past point range, and they, you know, most of the fits will have a long point on them, so they can tank decently. They have the T2 resists and they have the sig radius reduction. So they can definitely hold tackle on things if, you know, your interceptor has to to bounce off and repair or something like that. Right. And the other ones will a lot of times kind of, they they don't do that as well. Like damage at point range isn't very good, but um, for heavier tackle, if you need to scram something and hold it down for a little bit longer, stuff like um, a hawk or and yo or something like that can actually do pretty well there. Yes. Someone was on our own the other night in a, a scram web Hawk with, I think a medium ancillary shield booster for tank. Um, and he was doing quite a good job. Oh yeah. Cool to hear. I think I have one sitting around somewhere. It's like a MS or yeah. Uh, ancillary shield booster plus a medium shield extender Hawk. So it's yeah. just like monster tank. Um, and then obviously Tackle Jag is the other clear example of an assault frigate that tackles things and holds them down very well. It does. And I think, you know, they're primarily seen by small gangers charging at you uh, rather than used by them because they can fit um, an extremely impressive tank, which if you're planning on winning the grid and pushing the other side off, it's perfect because you can get tackle and you can stay alive until that happens. For our purposes, right. they're a little iffier because usually as in small gang, we're flying away, flying around, um, but we're not usually pushing a defense fleet out of you know the space that we're tackling in. Right. Usually you don't have the luxury of just the, the full send, like completely committing to it like that. Yes. Occasionally you do. And that's it's a lot of fun when it happens, but it's uh, not terribly common. The other ships I see used as tackle a lot, and I mentioned the Draugr earlier, but um, the other command destroyers are also can be quite good at this, especially the Bifrost. Yeah, I think they're. I would say you see them a lot less often, but they can do some really cool stuff that other tackle can't do. Um, like for example, you can boost something off a gate, and then you can scram it and hold it down. Um, or the thing that I think is really cool that's really hard to kind of pull off or execute cleanly, um, but things that are scrammed won't go along with you. And so a lot of times you can kind of use this to split up two ships that are together. You scram one, you MJD, you carry the other one along with you, and then now these two ships that were relying on each other, whether it was like an RR ship or who knows what, now they're you know 100 kilometers apart you can swap your scram to the other one and now you have two things separated so that you can kind of isolate them and kill them and so that can be a really cool way to tackle things in like a more unique way but it definitely takes some skill it does and the nice thing is they also bring links i wouldn't there's some magus fits um orca in my corp likes um to fly the magus with i think he does a scram and a long point and an mjd which lets you sort of you know, the Magus with its bonus uh, skirmish links and the Draugr with bonus skirmish links and the Bifrost with bonus skirmish links get maneuverable enough to, you know, they're not an interceptor, but they can sort of 
play that role for a minute if they need to. Um, plus you get all the utility of links and MJD that you can share with your group. So they're kind of, they have a bunch of other bonuses, but they're not quite as good at the actual tackle ship role, I think. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. They kind of aren't as good strictly as tackle, but they kind of make up for it in other ways. Like you said, giving links to your team. Um, the same way we talked about how tackle can both kind of initiate a fight and then also screen, you can kind of do things like that. Like, if someone's in a bad spot, you can um, MJD them off and things like that. Um, so sometimes that can kind of work in not the same way as screening, but it can fill a similar similar role where you're kind of like getting someone out of trouble. Yeah, and that's it feels really nice when you pull that off because you can like just bounce someone off who's got your something, you know, maybe your your friends in a blingy who knows what, Ikitursa or something that, you know, you don't want to die. You can save the day. It feels good. Yeah, yeah, it does. And the the Magus and the Draugr in particular have enough fitting and stats that they can do some decent damage as well. Um, the Draugr with its gun and a couple of drones, and the Magus, even just with drones, does enough damage, you know, I guess in the Pontifex as well. Um, though actually, I don't see them in small gang as much as Magus's, I think, because the slot layout in the mids isn't as good. Right, it's kind of underwhelming there. The other stuff that I see used in Tackle for Small Gang a lot, um, that's most of it. There's also, you know, people use things like Prospects and T3Cs and things for Black Ops Tackle, which is a very specialized thing because if you're going to Black Ops drop onto someone, you need a Sino. And there's only a few ships that are viable to Tackle and not immediately die and also can light a Sino. Right, and we don't have to spend too much time on that, but I think the the reason the Prospect is used so much is because it, again, gets a Sig Radius bonus, and that's especially helpful because when you light a Sino, you, your speed goes to zero. So because you're not moving, uh, you are a very, very easy target. You can't use speed to mitigate damage, so just having a small Sig helps. Um, so that's why you see Prospects is in Sinos a lot. Um, sometimes people use... Uh, bombers because they don't have a lock delay um, which can be useful in blops just because you know you're going to catch a target or you have a lot better chance of catching a target but yeah the t3c's when you would like your insino to kind of survive and that they usually have a lot better chance you obviously see um kind of the the recons like rapier um lachesis or not lachesis but um, yes arazu that kind of thing yeah and the well. rapier and arazu get nice bonuses to web range and uh, scram point range respectively, which let them, you know, hold tackle even on something that's pulling away from your now stationary Sino ship. Um, but they are not as tanky as properly fit T3Cs. And they also, you know, they, prior to the recent nullifier patch, T3s could fit a subsystem that would make them um, bubble immune, which helped for moving around hunting. But I don't know. Now... Well, they can, yeah, now they can still do that, right? But it's the, they just have the subsystem plus they can fit the the nullification. Yeah. They can fit the nullifier no matter what, but if they fit the subsystem, they get the same bonuses to its cooldown and stuff that fleet interceptors get. So, I don't know. I think it might be, you know, if you're, if you're a person who T3 hunts for for blops targets let us know but i suspect that 
it might be worth fitting the nullifier even with the long cooldown to have that in a high slot and then not fit the nullification subsystem, which means you can't use it as often and you're penalized more, but the subsystem itself costs you a fitting slot and a bunch of a big agility penalty and some other things that it might be nice to avoid. Right. Yeah, I haven't looked at uh, T3C like uh, Hunter fits since the changes, but I think you're probably right that that's like the worthwhile trade-off. Like, you don't need to use the nullification activation very often in theory. Like, it's mostly to get through gate camps and that kind of thing. Or if you're jumping into a system, that system has bubbles because someone is using it to, you know, kind of buffer before their mining fleet or their super that's right. ratting or whatever. You just fire the nullifier and warp out of the bubble. Um, and then possibly even offline it on your way to tackle. Yeah, so that then you can tackle without the, the scan rinse penalty, yeah. Interesting things. Um, speaking of blobs and cobops, I think, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to say about tackle in general? No, not really. I think that's kind of the, the perfect segue, covert tackle into kind of the, the new blobs and covert updates. It's currently on the test server. It's not live yet. Um, but there's a big update to Black Ops Battleships and Covops Frigates. The largest changes, essentially overall, Black Ops Battleships are getting a, a group jump function, um, whereas before they would open a bridge to a Sino and other people could right-click on their ship and click, you know, go through the menu to jump. And then eventually, if that Black Ops wanted to go as well, it could then jump after them. Now it's got a group jump function, which is it's kind of like booshing with a command destroyer except you boosh them systems away to a sino right and to be clear the old jump isn't going away this is going to be like an additional feature so if you want to bridge people and you don't want your blops to go along with you can still do that but now you're able to do the kind of aoe jump everything that's around you um, and when you do that, kind of the benefit, other than the, like Ten said, the benefit of, you know, before you had to bridge and then you had to wait for your bridge to be done and then you could jump, the the AOE one takes everyone along with immediately, including yourself, but it also uses much less fuel. So every time you jump, based on the distance the jump is, it uses fuel. That fuel is also based on, like, the mass of the ships that are going through, so... If you bridge a bunch of bombers, that's less mass than if you bridge a bunch of T3 cruisers. Now, regardless of what you're bridging, it uses much less fuel than it did yeah. before. It, Which is a, an interesting way, to, because you know, in sizable fleets, what would end up happening is the bridge ship would be fitted with cargo expanders and just stuffed full of fuel, basically. And with the reduction, you can now jump a bunch of ships with a combat fit Black Ops, um, and it's sort of a big buff to, I think, actually dropping with the Black Ops themselves uh, or really in mixed fleets because you don't have to have someone sit there and be the bridge. You can jump your covert recons, your bombers, your Black Ops, and your Logi T3Cs all in one go. Yeah, I think that kind of um, really like highlights the difference, which is like beforehand, it used to be kind of you either did all more or less like all subs and you would use or all, you know, non battleships and you would use one bridger to bridge them all in or you would use kind of all battleships and it was more vanity fleet and everyone could would just kind of jump themselves and you would just kind of 
big dick on people with black black ops battleships now there's kind of a little more opportunity to like you said both combat fit and drop other things along with to kind of support so i think it does kind of open up potentially some more options for things that you can do with them um I mean, Black Ops battleships are really expensive, and a lot of times you're dropping on things that you know you're going to murder. Like, you're not picking spicy targets that might, you know, destroy you kind of thing. So, I don't know how much it'll change, but I think it's at least, like, a cool idea. Yeah, I think it'll definitely make it easier for people multi-boxing as well, because you can just fire everyone's jump from one ship. Yeah, and not have to ping back and forth or wait for the bridge to be, yeah. They did a couple of little things, like they moved the Black Ops get a bonus to speed when they have a cloaking device active, and they made that a, a roll bonus on the hull rather than a per-level bonus for a ship skill. But the net effect is the same. They also nearly doubled or doubled all of the damage bonuses to basically everything, except the Widow went from 5 to... Uh, 5% rate of fire to 7.5% rate of fire. Everything else went from 5% to 10%, either damage bonus or rate of fire bonus. Right. So now blobs are doing a lot more yeah, damage. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think that might be an attempt to make them more viable to drop on Marauders. Yeah, I think that you're probably right that that's the potential intent. Like, that's the hope. Um, the one thing I'll note here is that the Sin... DPS bonus is to hybrids. And one thing that's not super common is to see sins with uh, hybrid turrets on them. You almost always see sins fit with newts and then using their drone bay as their damage. Um, but one kind of interesting thing is they gave the Redeemer not just a turret damage bonus, but they also gave it a NOS and energy neutralizer bonus. So we may see the Redeemer become kind of the the better nuding boat. Um, I think it essentially yeah, it's has a massive like the Valgorn. Uh, it's essentially like a jump capable Valgorn at this point. Yes. Well, it doesn't have the the web bonus or anything, but it yeah, it doesn't have a range bonus to energy neutralization, but it has um, at max skills a fifty percent bonus to drain amount, which is huge. I've seen a number of people speculating about like double heavy newt redeemers or just fit your DPS and your other black ops and drop in a full newt redeemer to just destroy someone's capacitor. But I think that's an interesting change. They've made an additional modification to each of them. The Sin gets a bonus to logistic drones now. The Panther got a falloff bonus for its large projectile turrets, which is interesting um, and as partly, I think, as a result of people's response to that, they actually, in the latest iteration on CC, they increased all of their lock range because Black Ops have had, for years, painfully short lock range. And they've all added about, um, I think, about 20 kilometers. So I think the Panther went from like 60 base with skills to 80. And the Widow went from 70 to 90, something like that. But yeah, the lock range has been a kind of a pain point for using them for anything other than dropping at zero and blasting. Um, and now they have more. So maybe we'll see, you know, some blops setups that are designed to jump in and then actually fight on grid rather than just gank. Right, exactly. And I think you, you already mentioned it, but the, the sin getting the logistic um, drone transfer amount, I think is interesting, but I'm not sure if we'll see a lot of logi sins just because of the fact that you can also jump in T3C Logi, and I think that might be a better option. 
And then the other thing is the widow gets a resistance bonus. So it gets the 4% uh, bonus to shield resistances, which is actually like huge when you think about how much shield tank you can fit on a widow. So I think widow will be super, super tanky. Yeah, it's interesting. They upped the uh, jam strength bonus a little bit as well. I think they might be trying to get people to actually use it for its theoretical, like, you know, essentially taunt tanking functionally um, is what you would call it in other MMOs where you jam something with the Widow so they can only shoot the Widow, but the Widow is this giant shield brick that you can't kill. Right, yeah, I think you're right that that's kind of the aim, which, I don't know, it might work, actually. It's with the the ECM bonus and with the shield resist bonus. Yeah, I think so. If you you set up with the minimum amount of jammers and a maximum amount of tank to make it work, it could certainly work on certain targets. Um, I'm not sure it'll work on everything, but definitely it's possible. Um, They also tweaked the Marshall. They just gave it the you know, the same damage boosts to each of its ship skills because it gets all of the damage bonuses because it can fit any weapon system, basically. So it's getting the same DPS boost as the uh, the rest of the Black Ops are. The Marshall's going to be insane <laughs> from what I've seen people throwing around. Like, I mean, it's by far the most expensive Black Ops too, right? Like, they're, I think, triple or more yeah, the price for of sure. the other ones. Um, but but they, they get some pretty... They already did a lot of yeah, damage. Pretty yeah. hefty damage. And they get a range bonus to webs and um, points and scrams, which is, you know... Right, so they can point out super far and do just monster DPS at super far now. So Cost more than a capital ship. But, you know, that's the trade-off. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think we've covered pretty much yeah. all the changes I'm aware of so far about the, the Black Ops. They're also updating the Kovops frigates. Um, they're pulling all the combat bonuses off them. They are reducing the amount of capacity they need to go into warp, which is good for, you know, if you're scanning around and you're just warping and warping and you're in a really big system, you know, or if you're in Terra, for example, you need capacitor to warp 300 AU. And they've also added, they've adjusted their slot layouts a little bit. The Helios got another high slot because I think it only had one, which now that they can fit nullifiers was a bit of a handicap because you couldn't fit both a nullifier and a cloak um, unlike the others. Yeah. Yeah. It had, yeah, it had two. So you could fit cloak probes, but you couldn't fit the nullifier. Yeah. You know, the three things you want if you're probing around. Yeah. And so that nobody's left out, they added uh, low slots to the anathema, the buzzard, and then the cheetah as well. Interesting. I'm not sure they all needed that, but whatever. Yeah. I'm not sure they did either. But... And then they've given them split bonus hull bonuses um the helios and the chick get a five percent bonus per level to cloaked velocity uh and the anathema and buzzard get five percent bonus to scan deviation per level which to me seems like it creates some real winners and losers (laughs) because that cloak speed bonus you know your cheetah going 600 meters a second while it's cloaked instead of 475 is not a bonus that's going to save you a lot of time and anything. Yeah, what does that do for you? It might be nice if you're trying to dodge a bubble camp, but now that they can fit nullifiers, you know, you just nullifier and cloak and warp. And I don't know. It seems like the, the scan deviation bonus 
given that their primary function is scanning, is going to be much more useful. Yeah, I do like that. I, I think there's kind of more of a theme with a lot of the CCP changes for ship classes where they've kind of split it into armor shield and then one that does kind of one primary role and one that does another. Like uh, we talked about dictors before and dictors were kind of the same way. There was one dictor that goes fast, one dictor that fits really heavy buffer um, for both shield and for um, armor. And so we see kind of the same thing where you have, you know, shield armor, one that does one role, one that does the other. But I think like you said, one's like a definite winner for scanning ships. Um, I think having the scan deviation makes a lot of sense. I don't know what cloaked velocity really gets you that's useful. If you're combat probing to use your covops as a black ops warp in and you like combat probe in and you need to like burn right up next to it before you decloak right next to your target, you know, I can kind of see that being useful, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel as strong. Yeah, I feel like the big drawback is just the fact that like you can't MWD while you have your cloak on. So you're going, you know, you do have the velocity bonus, but you're limited by the fact that you're going base speed, not MWD speed. And so how far can you really get or like close? You know, like like you said, if you combat probe someone and you land on them, you land off. If they're not moving, great. But if they're MWDing, like you're never going to catch up. You know, if it was a more significant bonus or something, maybe it would matter. But it's in the you know, 100 to 200 meters a second difference range, given their base speeds. Right, yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe there's some clever use that we're not really thinking of. Maybe those velocity bonuses will get changed to something else that's more useful. Like, I don't know. I don't think it really hurts them at all. I think, just like you said, there's some clear winners, and it's not the Helios and not the Cheetah. Yeah. And the only other thing in that patch uh, so far is that all Vorton projectors, which are the Edencom ship guns that are chain lightning functions, uh, have increased their max targets hits, max targets hit from five to 10. So it'll chain nine times instead of four times off the initial target. Yeah, I don't, I also don't know if this is enough to really impact anything. I think they're, they're not used because of the fact that you can't alpha things and you need a lot of them and if you're going to bring a lot of them like why not just bring you know munins or something like that instead um maybe this will be enough to push them over but um i don't really see it being the 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 game changer i don't either i think it'll be you know if if they were cheap enough to casually experiment with uh people would try stuff with them but i think you know, it'll make them better for running abyssal sites, which people do with the cruiser. And I think, you know, maybe if you have a couple of them just scattering damage across a f uh, fleet, it'll be useful to, to you know, throw Lodgy off and that kind of thing. But I don't know. Yeah, I always wondered if, like, mixing them into a fleet would be, like, a more viable way. Like, they're obviously too expensive to run a whole fleet of them against anything that can kind of alpha back, I think. Um, and I think that'll still be the case. But I always wondered if using them, having them like shoot, you know, a cycle or two ahead of when the rest of the fleet does, even in like an alpha comp, might work really well because you see all these people taking damage. They're all taking moderately, you know, close to the same amount of damage because of the balance and everything. 
And then all of a sudden you alpha through one of those five to 10 people that's getting shot. And as long as you have more than just the primary locked up with the alpha doctrine, like maybe you could get away with it. But I do know that a lot of, you know, large groups, they just look for like, who has me locked up? Oh, all the mutants have me locked up. I'm yellow box. The second, you know, I see them go red, I'm hitting my ADC or whatever, or like right before. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because, you know, theoretically shooting 10 targets with long range ammo, the, you know, the Stormbringer is doing upwards of a thousand DPS. But, you know, some of that's jumping onto drones that it doesn't apply very well to. And some of it's jumping onto friendly ships if they're too close. And it's, you know, it's the uncontrolled nature of it makes it hard to feel useful about, I think. Right. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I don't see a way for it to really fit into EVE right now. Just too bad, because they're super cool looking hulls and the gun animation is super cool looking and... It's a nice idea, but I think the CCP has really created a a balanced conundrum for themselves where it either doesn't apply very well and so it is not very useful at all as it seems to be now. But as soon as it applies well enough to be meaningful, it's going to be totally overpowered because you can shoot 10 ships at the same time with one ship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And I think that was the thing from the start, right? The second they got announced, people are like, this is either going to be garbage or it's going to be broken and it's going to be the only thing you can fly. And it was broken. And every time I've seen people try them, like they're like a worse version of some other doctrine, right? Like more or less like a worse version of Cruise Ravens or something like that. I think with the 10 targets and the amount of damage the battleships can do, they could be pretty viable if we if the game ends up in a meta where battleships are the primary thing but we're not there yeah that's, and that's fair. the other thing is the battleships are i don't even know how much upwards of a billion is each i think and the skills to use them are also very expensive and a long train and it's a whole nother set of support skills separate from normal gunnery skills and missile skills so you know, I don't. Uh, a lot of SP investment, a lot of ISK investment. It's a, it's yeah, a long exactly. road to get to that being a ship of the line in any significant way. Yeah. The second you can alpha 10 ships at once, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> then they'll be. I mean, people will train into it if that becomes possible. Yeah. I just imagine like 60 to 100 of the, the battleship and them just deleting 10 ships at a time. And you're just like, okay, well, <laughs> this yeah, fight's over. And I think, I mean, really, if they gain significant application because they're pretty tanky and they can they'll have super long range like even the cruiser can shoot out to like 120 with the long range ammo on the battleship i think close to 200 they're if they applied to smaller ships well they would be the bane of small gangs yep yeah pretty much i 100 so, agree there but that's a problem for another day for today we have marauders Yep, for today we have Marauders. We almost made it through the whole episode without mentioning Marauders, but it had to happen. It had to happen. All right. Uh, I think that is pretty much our episode today. Uh, do you have a shout-out? Uh, I just want to say thank you to the Noir dudes, especially uh, Nick. Nick is one of our guys that's been just like posting rooms all the time, taking people out all the time. Um, and he's just been making a ton, ton of content for everyone and like getting a lot of kills on our kill board. So 
I haven't been as active, but I think every time, almost every time I've been on, he's been on. And so it's just been super great to have him. So awesome. shout out to Nick. Um, you stole my shout out. So <laughs> <laughs> we can full shout him out. He's just that good. Right? There you go. Uh, I've also been very impressed with how much he's, he's generating content and con- contributing and, you know, showing up to the Noir's contract fleets, but also running small gang stuff. You know, it's it's nice to see. All right. And with that, it's not the size of your gang. How you use it. <laughs>